Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Today, I am trying something a little different with a solo episode. I am diving into two intertwining questions. What does it take to become a superstar innovation hub? And how can Austin be the first Austin, not the next Silicon Valley? I will walk through my journey dissecting Austin's ecosystem, its superpowers, and even a few iterations of the mental model I've been piecing together. Finally, I'm going to turn the podcast's signature question inward and try to answer what's next, Austin. Peter Thiel, in his seminal book, Zero to One, talks about the danger of competitive memetics. You can't just copy something and expect that to be enough to create something generational. The silicon this or the silicon that, whether it's the hills or the beach, only reinforce the monopoly of the original. We take advantage of those same forces whenever I hear a conference or festivals say we are going to be the next South by Southwest, I always laugh or cringe. You want to be that thing people are referencing or, or comparing to. I have begun to hear it through the rumblings. We are going to be the next Austin or watch out. We are coming for what you built, Austin. If the plan is to just copy our playbook rather than figuring out the distinct resources and assets of your region, then you lose out on the actual catalysts beneath your feet. Now, this is not to say you can't learn from others' success, actually quite the opposite. My hypothesis is that there are distinct common characteristics that make hubs thrive. Some are obvious. For instance, you need lots of venture capital funding startups. Others are a little harder to define, like what are the mechanics to drive creative collisions when you have the right density of smart, hardworking people? For example, in Brad Feld's book, Startup Communities, he introduces the concept of the Boulder Thesis, which emphasizes the importance of entrepreneurs as leaders in the community and a culture of give before you get. This universal principle pushes back against transactional relationships to foster trust and collaboration, crucial ingredients for any thriving innovation ecosystem. There are also lessons to be gleaned from historical examples. That was the origin of my episode with Chelsea Follett, who just published the book, Centers of Progress, 40 Cities That Changed the World. She examined cities from Jericho with the invention of farming to Alexandria and the storing of information to Baghdad and astronomy to New York and modern finance. Some of the commonalities of all these diverse cities were that most reached their peaks during eras of peace and stability and were mostly characterized by open trade, effective governance, and intellectual freedom. And so with a firm understanding that Austin needs to forge its own path, let's dissect what makes us positioned for greatness. What are the Austin superpowers? One, we are living in the future. We're not just inventing groundbreaking technologies. We're also their first adopters right in our own backyard. Consider Icon, a local unicorn revolutionizing construction with 3D printing robots. Just this year, they unveiled the world's first 3D printed neighborhood in Georgetown, an Austin suburb. These aren't merely conceptual models. They're homes people are buying and living in. 
this future forward mentality extends to the fast-growing autonomous vehicle sector as well. Cruise, Waymo, and Volkswagen have all chosen Austin as a key hub for their operations. Among them, Cruise is leading the pack, already offering residents the experience of riding in their self-driving cars. We're not just blueprinting the future, we're deploying it in real time. Two, we are cool. As a newcomer to Austin, I quickly found myself drawn into this powerful brand gravity. Case in point, Yeti. Before moving here, I didn't own a single Yeti product. Now, somehow, I find myself with four Yeti tumblers. It's a small but telling example of how the coolness of Austin isn't just a marketing ploy. It's a lifestyle that you start adopting almost as soon as you arrive. This blend of homegrown and imported cool is part of what Roy Spence referred to on the podcast, the delicate balance Austin navigates between preserving its core ethos and stimulating progress. Events like South By, Austin City Limits, and new arrivals like F1 Racing and the Country Music Awards don't just attract people, they create an indelible impression. This isn't just a new phenomenon, it's a carefully preserved legacy. Brands like Yeti and Tito's Vodka serve as cultural ambassadors for the city, offering a taste of the Austin experience. That's the kind of brand power we have. It's more than a city. It's an experience you want to be part of, even if it's just by owning a piece of it. Three, a culture of helping leads to open networks and collaboration. When I was in San Diego, my perception of entrepreneurial ecosystems was akin to an onion layers upon layers that you peel back as your influence and power grew. In my experience, before I got involved in investing, I rarely interacted with startups or other investors. Each layer I peeled seemed to reveal a new subset of people, yet the center of the onion felt a million miles away. But when I arrived in Austin, I quickly realized that my onion model didn't quite fit. Here, the center of the onion, whoever or whatever that may be, doesn't feel far away at all. It's almost as if you don't need the six degrees of Kevin Bacon here. It's more like the two degrees of Austin barbecue. Comedy definitely isn't my strong suit, but the point still stands. People from various layers were not only interacting, but also making introductions. Aaron Perman, a partner at S3 Ventures, captured this spirit well in a recent episode saying, I think there's a friendliness that encourages collaboration and a welcoming to all the newcomers. This culture of open networks and helping each other out leads to an environment ripe for the creative collisions, those crucial random encounters that make the magic happen. So Austin isn't like an onion with rigid layers. It's more like a dynamic network where layers are constantly being redefined and connections are made both deliberately and spontaneously. Four, we are part of the Texas Triangle creating a super region. Austin is positioned within a network of innovation hubs that also includes Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio called the Texas Triangle. This is a rare phenomenon in the United States. Only California also has this potential. However, having lived in San Diego, I can tell you that despite having other large ecosystems like Los Angeles and the Bay Area, there's very little interconnectivity between them. People in these areas might know each other, but the regions themselves operate more like silos. When I announced my arrival here, I instantly found myself networked, not just locally, but also in Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio without even trying. Now, that's not to say 
there isn't a healthy rivalry. You'll never hear anyone in Houston wishing they were more like Dallas, which is good. Back to my earlier point about being the first X, not the next Y. It plays out here as well. I want Houston to be Houston, Dallas to be Dallas, and so forth. It's been happening naturally so far, but will really be a rocket ship when each node doubles down on its special sauce. While there have been other proposed super regions like the Heartland or the Super Southeast, they lose any realized impact when you cross state borders and are subject to different tax and regulatory policies. Companies are starting to leverage the individual talent and resources of the triangle. Colossal Biosciences, a de-extinction technology company, has done this by splitting their operations between Austin and Dallas with their software and gene editing team here and their wet lab and hardware team in Dallas. Five, we build. In many hubs, the focus tends to lean heavily towards digital technologies, innovating in the realm of bits. But Austin is different. We're equally passionate about innovating in the world of atoms. We are creating electric vehicles, advanced chips, rockets, computer brain interfaces, and humanoid robots, just to name a few things. The future is bringing all of that invention back into the real world. What's more, we are physically building those inventions in our region. Take the Tesla Gigafactory and Samsung's new semiconductor fab as prime examples. These companies bring with them high-paying jobs that don't necessarily require a college degree, opening up economic opportunities to a broader segment of the population, enabling a diverse range of talents to contribute to and benefit from the city's growth. Six, we leverage the power of AND. While many places specialize in one or two sectors, Austin has a different approach. We're not just a tech city, a music city, or an entrepreneurial city. We're all these things and more, which positions us to win in convergence technologies. The idea is simple but powerful. When you bridge the gap between diverse sectors like space, life sciences, consumer packaged goods, consumer internet, hardware, semiconductors, quantum computing, and AI, you don't just add to the existing landscape. You create entirely new verticals and opportunities. I spent my first year or so here observing and defining the superpowers. After that came crafting a framework to understand how these superpowers come together to push Austin to the next level. My first attempt at this was a model I dubbed Silicon Valley meets 1950s Detroit, and it got me a lot of the way there. When I tested this framework in a conversation with renowned urbanist Richard Florida, his emphatic response helped solidify my belief that I was onto something. This framework was born from the very superpowers I just laid out. In essence, it's about the power of convergence, the magic that happens when you blend the physical with the digital, when you marry creativity with practicality. We build and we are living in the future. These superpowers align perfectly with Detroit's historical strength in manufacturing and innovation in the physical world. Just as Detroit revolutionized the automobile industry, Austin is becoming the birthplace of a myriad of physical technologies. We leverage the power of and. This superpower ties back to the Silicon Valley aspect of the framework. Silicon Valley is known for its technological multiplier effect and the creation of whole new sectors. Austin, too, thrives on the convergence of wholly separate industries, technologies, and ideas. Companies like Paradromics and Neuralink, who are leading the brain-computer revolution, embody this spirit, merging digital, biological, and physical realms to pioneer new fields altogether. What this framework affirms is that we aren't aiming to mimic anyone. It's striving to be 
the first Austin, while at the same time, it's proving the potency of and by bringing together characteristics of a modern tech hub and one of the past. In fact, the applicability of this model extends beyond our region's borders. It offers valuable insights for other cities, particularly those in the middle of the country, looking to cultivate their own growing ecosystems. While the Silicon Valley meets 1950s Detroit model accounted for much of our special sauce, it left several questions unanswered, some of which I even tried to tackle with Richard in his seminal work, The Rise of the Creative Class. He showed a strong correlation between vibrant creative communities, artists, musicians, writers, and a thriving innovation community. But what are the underlying mechanisms that facilitate these interactions? Do creatives serve as muses inspiring the tech innovators or is it that individuals passionate about creativity naturally gravitate toward entrepreneurial ventures? Is there even a direct relationship? Further complicating my model is our booming community of digital storytellers, podcasters, YouTubers, online writers, and more. Unlike the celebrity influencers often associated with places like Los Angeles, Austin's digital storytellers are deeply engrossed in more intellectual subjects, be it the art of writing, game theory, stoicism or intricate breakdowns of highly technical subjects like artificial intelligence. So what was missing in my initial framework that could account for these unique elements? Thankfully, the conversational serendipity that is produced on this podcast delivered to me an answer. When I brought on Elle Beecher, founder of The Boardwalks, we planned to discuss her community-focused walks, her approach to designing them, and their potential impact on networking. But Elle surprised me with a revelation. She said, a huge second order effect of the walks and where I really want them to help Austin grow into is Paris in the 20s. This seemingly simple statement became a new profound lens through which I see our city. It clarified the intersection between the tech and creative communities, and it explained why our digital storytellers gravitate toward intellectual, even scholarly subjects rather than just the trend of the moment. 1920s Paris was a hotbed of creativity and intellectualism, drawing artists, writers, and thinkers from around the globe. The cafe culture of that period wasn't just a backdrop. It was a catalyst for groundbreaking ideas and artistic movements. And it seems that Elle and I are not alone in seeing a bridge between the two eras. Since introducing the concept of Paris in the 20s into some of my writings and discussions, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Comments come in with readers sharing the Austin equivalent of this or that Parisian landmark or asking what our version of a specific Paris tradition could be. It's as if the idea has become a new communal narrative through which we view our city's evolving identity, and it also builds off our superpowers. A culture of helping and leveraging the power of and. The magic in both 1920s Paris and modern-day Austin is not just the existence of diverse talents and sectors, but their convergence and collaboration. Parisian cafes were hotspots of originality. Painters conversed with poets who debated with philosophers, leading to breakthroughs that no one could have achieved in isolation. Similarly, Austin's ethos encourages open networks and cross-sector collaboration. The city doesn't just allow these elements to coexist, it fosters their intersection, amplifying our innovative and creative output. We are cool. The cool factor of Austin 
can be likened to the allure that drew global talents to Paris in the 1920s. It wasn't just about intellect, but also style, flair, and an irresistible pull that attracted various forms of creativity. We are a modern-day magnet, much like Paris was nearly a century ago. After exploring our superpowers and evolving my mental model, it becomes clear that Austin isn't merely a melting pot of disparate influences. Rather, we're a unique blend of Silicon Valley's technological prowess, 1950s Detroit's manufacturing ingenuity and scale, and 1920s Paris's intellectual and creative vibrancy. But it's not just about the elements themselves. It's about the sum of the parts creating a new archetype for what an innovation ecosystem can be. This brings me then, as always, to the final question of the podcast. What's next, Austin? First, the Silicon Hills label has to go. We need a new moniker, one that encapsulates the multifaceted richness that defines us. But a new nickname is just the beginning. In the longer term, our focus should be on increasing the density of founders, funders, and innovators within our region. Just like in ancient Athens or Renaissance Florence, I want to bump into the next uh, Socrates or Da Vinci as I take a walk through Austin. What do you think? Do you like the superpowers and the framework? Are there still missing elements? I really want to hear from everyone on this one. Thanks, as always, for joining me on the Austin Next podcast. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.